1: Hello. We are so glad that you joined us today. This is the Live Big Broadcast with Derek Greer. We believe that this teaching from God's word will empower you to live a full, impactful life in Christ. As always, you can access this teaching and more for free on our YouTube channel at Grace Church V A TV. Let's get into the word.
2: We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10. We spent some time on this And the writer says, for God is not unjust. Not only is God impartial, he is completely incorruptible. Now, people in life tend to do things, uh, you know, for gain or for fear of consequences. But God, who already owns everything, what might he gain by making himself less At any point in time. Or is our God ever intimidated by a human that he might feel the need to lie? You see, justice is not just something God has. Justice is what God is. Psalms chapter 7 and verse 11 says this. God is a just judge. But then it has this scary clause. And God is angry with the wicked every day. Now, I know how the daily news irritates me. How about some of you? But I want you to think about the self-control that God must exhibit, letting the sun rise and set on the wicked and the just every single day. Every day in God's mind is another opportunity for people to turn to him. So he waits on us, not because he doesn't have other viable options. And he waits on us, frankly, for reasons I will never completely understand. But he waits for us according to the Bible because he thinks we're worth it. So every time... You see the sunrise on the just and unjust. You say, God, how could you let them live another day knowing what they did? Just remember his patience and his kindness and how he let the sun rise and set on you. Despite your running. Despite your disobeying. And all the rest. Psalms 37 and 28. I just need to to, to lay a theological background here in the word. Speaking of God, it says he loves justice. So according to scripture, God is not only just, he loves, loves, is committed to justice. God has never had a moment in eternity past or will ever have it in eternity future where he regrets making right, right and wrong, wrong. For he loves justice and will not forsake his saints or called out ones. According to scripture, God will never abandon our cause. David watched this his whole life and he said, I was young and now I'm old. Yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken. Hebrews 6.10. Tie a ribbon around your finger, like I said last week. Tattoo it across your chest. God is not unjust to forget your work and labor of love, which you have shown toward his name, in that you minister to the saints and do continually minister. Now, this passage of Scripture contains a very hard Truth, loving God, loving His name, and loving His people are two sides of the same coin. You may not always like some of God's people, you may not always agree with some of God's people, but we must learn to always love. I know it got quiet in here, God's people. See, I've been pastoring for a number of years now, and I, I've been married for a number of years, and I, I've lived all my life. How many of y'all lived all your life too, right? Okay. Right. And what I found is love is not always a warm, fuzzy feeling. Married people in particular say amen to that. But, but love's the decision to act for the other person's highest good despite how we feel. So love kicks in when we don't feel like it. Love really matters when we don't think that person deserves it. Verse 11, I'm I'm going somewhere and we'll get started on these seven points in just a minute. And the writer says, and we desire that each one of you, as I said last week, they were getting discouraged and and these, these Jewish or Hebrew believers, it's called the Book of Hebrews because it was written to, uh, the Jewish folks, you know, spread all over the Roman Empire. And they wanted to go back to Judaism because Christianity brought so many challenges. They were being persecuted, kicked out of their families. They were losing their jobs. Lots of stuff was, was happening. And, and the writer is encouraging them. He said, and we desire that each one of you, not just the deacons, not just the pastor, each and every one of you show the same same, we're all in the same boat, diligence to the full assurance, we talked about this last week, God wants us to have confidence of hope until the end. You see, if we let the Holy Spirit do his job in our lives within us, we can make it to the end of whatever we face in life. My Bible says there's nothing too hard for God, including you And including me that you do not become what sluggish sluggish sorry that you don't lose your spiritual temperature in the process you see when you get hurt one too many times we begin to lose our enthusiasm we begin to lose our passion our zeal we tend to become cynical, we, we tend to become indifferent, we tend to become non-committal and indifferent. But what I've learned is commitment is just staying loyal to what you ought to do long after the mood you had when you started is gone. All right, so we laid a foundation, context has been established, so now let's pick up where we left off last week. But we imitate those, not just those who have a license or a title next to their name, but we imitate those who through faith and patience, literally perseverance, inherit the promises. I want you to notice something very, 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 very important here. Obtaining the promise does not only require faith, if you're going to be successful in your walk with God, if you're going to make it to the end, it also requires patience and perseverance. Just like it takes a mama bear and a papa bear to make a cub. It takes two elephants to make a calf. It takes a mother goat and a daddy goat to create a kid. And it will take both faith and perseverance. It will take both faith and patience to receive the promise or give vision or give birth to the vision that God has for your life and your families. A lot of people were taught when I was coming up, you know, the faith movement was big and, and, and folks were just teach, man, just believe it, receive it, and you know, blab it and grab it, you got it. But then people began to discover that it not only takes faith, it takes perseverance. It takes hanging in there. That the, the miracle's not always gonna show up in the next five minutes. Now, I believe that we're justified by faith and faith alone. Faith is what gives us access into the kingdom. Faith is is what gives us uh, access or entrance into the very power of God. But faith by itself will not get you to where you're going. I want you to think about a bridge. Think of faith as the roadway. But patience are the pylons that hold the bridge up to get you to the other side. So what happens when we, we, we look at the, the parable of the five soils, when it gets to the second one, it says, you know, th- these folks received the word with joy. I mean, they got happy and they shouted. But the problem was they had no root in themselves because of rock that was underneath. And what happens was to this particular group, they had faith for the moment. But they weren't established in the pylons. They didn't have the patience to endure it. And then it went on and said when, when, when testing and, and, and persecution and tribulation, they give up on the word of God. And what I want to encourage you today is yes, you heard God. Yes, God called you to himself. It was literally a call of God and you responded by faith. But do not leave out this other word, patience. In order to bear spiritual fruit in your life, it's not going to just take one thing, just like mom and dad had to get together. Listen, mama couldn't do it alone, daddy couldn't do it alone. And if daddy's faith and mama's patience, it's patience that carried the baby for nine months, daddy just kind of did his thing. But it took faith and patience. So if you want to give birth to the marriage, the life, the business, the family, whatever it is, you think it's going to require both faith and patience. And then he goes on, he says, imitate, stop trying to reinvent the wheel. 1 Corinthians 10 and 11 tells us this. The stories that we have recorded in the Bible, what does it say? It says, now now all these things happened to them. It's speaking of the Old Testament, by the way, in the New. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. So he was saying here that the entirety of the Old Testament was recorded so we can learn from the people of the past and replicate them. So again... He said, the end of the ages have come. So this is the New Testament. He's saying New Testament people, the the, the New Testament hadn't been completed yet. The reason this book we have is here so we can follow their patterns and learn. Imitate those who, because they got a good preach on, because they got a good shout going, who through faith and patience inherit the promises or better those who get results yes, he's speaking of those who push through when it hurt he's speaking of those who push through when, when life seemed unfair he's speaking of those who, who despite the fact it, it, it seemed why did that person get it before I got it and, and they didn't seem to go for the people that push through were the people who made it? There are no substitutes in life for results. So what the writer does here is he switches gears and he points to Abraham, who was the father of getting it done. And in a couple of moments, we're going to learn from Abraham. And I'm going to teach you how to get what Father Abraham got. He said, watch this. For when God made a promise to who? Abraham. He went back into the Old Testament. Because he could swear, or God could swear by no one greater. He swore by himself. Saying, surely, I mean, God, he, you know, he punctuate this thing, and, and God has passion about his promises. His goodness is pursuing us, following after us. God is not lazily just sitting there. God is passionate for us. You know, Jesus on the cross, what do we call it? The passion of the Christ. God came down, became one, one of amongst us, and one of us, and lived among, and died on a cross because he was passionate about his people. Surely, blessing, I will bless you, and multiplying, I will multiply you. Now, when we make an oath, he said, God basically is making an oath here. You know, we, we tend to swear by something or someone greater than ourselves. But you see, God has nothing or no one higher to appeal to than his very own personal integrity. And what I've learned in my life, despite the immature wranglings, you know, that went on in my mind in my, my 30s, my 20s, and my 40s, if I can't trust God, I can trust no one. If God is not faithful, no one will be faithful. If I can't trust God, I can't even trust myself. But, but watch this, I hear the wheels turning. And so after, 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 after he had waited patiently, endured, there's those ugly words, patience and endurance, don't like those words, but after patience and endurance, he obtained the promise. God promised an old man and a barren old woman a baby. And if anyone ever faced feelings of inadequacy, if anyone ever had voices in their head saying, I can't, it's too late. It's impossible. Not with him, not with her. God, this does not make sense. God, come on, there got to be a better way. As smart as you are, that got to be. If anyone ever felt that, this couple did. So today we're going to learn from their example as quickly as I can. We're going to talk about how to overcome seven emotional barriers that will always exist when you try to step into the promises of God. And we're going to start with number one, procrastination. I'll sell you up in the end of this. <laughs> Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, then we'll move to verse 4. Now the Lord said to Abram, get out of your country from your family, from your father's house, to a land I will show you. Watch this. Verse 4, so Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken to him, but that's the only part of the sentence he completed. Because the next clause says, and Lot went with him. God told him to get away from his family. But Lot was his nephew. God not only told him to get out of town, he told him to get away from his family, his idol-worshipping family that would only bring him down. Please love your family. Don't everyone say I need I not I need that. <laughs> love your family. This was a specific call to Abraham. <laughs> <laughs> but because Abraham didn't immediately obey, now later he would, he would he he would have to. He had to find out the hard way that God is always right. Because they eventually separated. Yep. And then Lot had relations with his two daughters. Uh, say yuck twice.
0: Yuck, yep, yuck. Yep. Yep, yep.
2: And he became the father of Israel's greatest enemies, or two of his great, their greatest enemies, the Ammonites and the Moabites. So number one, if you're, you're going to receive God's promises, you've got to deal with procrastination. And procrastination will only slow down the promises of God. But then number two, he had to deal with distraction. Watch Genesis 14 and 14. And this distraction came really because of the procrastination. Now, when Abraham heard that his brother, Lot, was taken captive, uh, he armed his 318 trained servants who were born in his own house and went in pursuit as far as Dan. Dan. Now, if he had left Lot in Ur, like he was supposed to, he would not have had to use his resources here to fight this battle. Nonetheless, despite, though, all all of his misdoings and all the rest, Abraham met Melchizedek because of this this battle and caused him to tap into the power of the tithe long before Moses, long before the law and all that. But, But here's the deal. If God did not use my mistakes for his purposes, he will have little less to work with. And Abraham made mistakes. But I want you to see that God still worked with those mistakes. Now, we don't intentionally go around trying to make mistakes, but when we make mistakes and when we error in our way, God knows how to cover us, knows how to keep us and how to preserve us. And he knows how to use it for his good. God probably had a a plan for Abraham to meet Melchizedek another way, but God used, again, Abraham's mistakes for his own purposes. And there's some places in your life God would have preferred that you would have gotten there another way. But despite the path you're taking, God can still get you there. You hear what I'm saying? And there are appointments. You know, what happens when you're GPS, you make a wrong turn. It says and God knows how to recalculate your situation to get you back on the right road to where you need to go. But this, I'm only on point three. I'm going to get to seven. Stay with me. Stay with me. This leads to that led to frustration. And if you have a promise from God and you never get frustrated, I kind of have my doubts. Because part of the process is always frustration. Because God is spiritual, we're material. Immediately we want to touch it, see it, feel it, taste it. But God establishes things in the spirit before they manifest in the physical. So there's this tension very often between us and God's ways. So Abraham, the father of the faith, from whom the Jewish people emerged who the Christ would come, we discover frustration was part of his course. Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, he had just gotten a lot out of trouble. And by the way, he'd have to do this over and over and over again. The word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abraham. I'm your shield, your exceedingly great reward. See, what just had happened was Abraham had covered Lot. But watch this. God still covered Abraham. Yes. See, none of us would be in this room today if God didn't cover us <laughs> and give us space to grow and learn from our mistakes. But Abraham said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing I go childless in the air of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Now, Clearly, Abraham was frustrated with God's timetable. And, and you can, you can hear a little tone in his voice here. He's a little bit angry because he says to God, look. How I many of you know God sees everything? He said, look, God, you, you, you're giving me no, 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 no offspring. He's talking to God like he doesn't know what's going on. You, you give me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my hair. God, are you paying attention? He's saying, you know, is anyone out there? He was dealing with personal frustration. So number one, there's procrastination. Number two, distraction. Number three, frustration. But now number four, desperation. Genesis 16, verse one. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. So she is too like Abraham. They, they had b- pillow talk. They, they both were going through the same thing. And she was like, come on, you know, Lord, I'm not getting any younger. Where are you, God? And she had an Egyptian slave whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. She started blaming God for the problem. Don't we do that in the middle of it when it starts taking too long? But here's the deal. If she didn't have a problem, we would have never heard of her. Without her barrenness, there'd be no need for a miracle. And without a miracle, what's the point of her being in the text? You see, some of our weaknesses exist so God can use them to bring glory as he helps us overcome them.
1: You've been listening to Live Big with Bishop Derek Greer. Join us next time as we continue this teaching. We pray that God's Word has equipped you to think big, do big, and live big in a way that your life overflows and blesses those around you. If you want to learn more about becoming a Christian or you feel that you need to rededicate your life to Christ, we want to walk you through the steps to do so. Go to gracechurchva.org salvation to find out more and watch videos from Bishop Greer that will guide you into your life in Christ. Again, that's gracechurchva.org salvation. We invite you to worship with us online each Sunday on our YouTube channel at Grace Church VA TV. While you're there, remember to subscribe and hit the notification bell to get all of our latest content. That's our time for today. Until next time, remember, you have what it takes in Christ to live big.